Hello and welcome to today's episode on blockchain and financial inclusion. I'm Effie Pilarinu and I'm with my co-host Arun Krishna Kumar from Rhetoric in London. And today we have our guest uh, Mark van uh, Rimenham and we want to welcome him. Mark, where are you joining us from? Thank you very much. I'm uh, in the Netherlands at the moment and it's uh, great to be on the show. Great, great. So tell us uh, about uh, how you've come into uh, the blockchain and blockchain for social good, uh, financial inclusion. How did you come into this uh, space? What what role did you follow? <laughs> that's a that's a very good question, uh, Ify. It's 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 been a it's been a long journey, but um, um, I started first time I got con- uh, introduced to blockchain. I think was about four years ago or so, um, and uh, but didn't pay too much attention to it at the, at the beginning. Uh, about two and a half years ago, I started doing a PhD in Sydney, Australia. Um, at first, I was focusing on, on big data uh, and design thinking, but then I came across, um, uh, I participated in a blockchain uh, workshop for my university, and I got really got the better understanding of what blockchain was, and I, I re- immediately saw that this is going to be a game changer for the world. Um, so I, um, I pivoted my PhD and, uh, uh, towards blockchain, um, and um, that's how I really got into the game. And while doing researching for my uh, uh, for my for my phd i noticed that you know, there's a lot of being written about blockchain for uh, financial services uh, for, for for cryptocurrencies uh, especially in, in, in for, for for bitcoin but there is not so much written um, about blockchain for socially good and how we can use it for our yeah, really improving our our world and that's where me and my co-author uh, dr philip ryan um, came together and we sat together and he said you know, um, this is something we need to write about because it's it's something that that needs to be uh, talked about because blockchain is such a game changer, game changer that it really has the potential to improve the world and, and fix the internet where it has fallen short in the past uh, decades since it has been developed. Um, so that's that's basically where our starting point, uh, where we set out uh, to to start from, and um, from there on, we the book almost wrote itself in in in, in about a year and a half time. Great, Mark. Um, I'm very glad that you put out uh, this book. I have uh, ordered it and received it. I haven't started reading it yet, um, but I, I'm also writing a book that's in that sort of category of talking about. Um, the possibilities that blockchain offers us in um, reorganizing ourselves, the way we collaborate as a society, and as, as you say, completely changing the world. It's not uh, only about uh, financial transactions. It's about value and shifting value uh, system in, in general. So it's it's very exciting to share all these uh, thoughts because we're all learning and and pushing our um, thinking. So having said that, uh, tell us first of all about um, beyond being a student, beyond being an author and a speaker, what else are you doing in this huge sort of fourth industrial revolution and, and tech wave? Well, that's a good, uh, good question to, um, uh, to tell the listeners a bit more what I've been doing. Uh, first of all, maybe for the listeners, the book we've been talking about is called Blockchain, Transforming Your Business and Our World. And uh, it was published a, a month ago. 
Um, as I mentioned, I was, I'm, I'm doing a PhD, which I uh, am about to finish. So hopefully be before the end of 2018, I will have completed my PhD. Um, I'm also the founder of, of Dataflock, which is a content platform around emerging technologies, uh, where we have about 400 authors from around the globe talking and writing about big data, blockchain, AI, those kind of things. At the moment, pivoting towards uh, building a decentralized reputation protocol called Imagine. And this platform uh, really makes it possible that uh, individuals, organizations, uh, but also things will will be able to get an, uh, an online reputation which is immutable, verifiable, and traceable. And with that, we will uh, enable anonymity to become accountable. Um, I think we think that this is, this is a missing link for the internet um, because uh, because anonymity um, is such an important uh, right to have, but it also comes with a lot of problems if you're not being held accountable. So that's uh, that's what we're trying to uh, to, uh, to work on, and uh, we're launching an, a proof of concept in in the coming weeks, uh, where we allow users to rate articles around uh, around the web, uh, and based on uh, quality, uh, fake news probability, and plagiarism probability, they sort of create a reputation for authors. Um, so that's that's the thing that I'm doing. I'm also advising uh, other blockchain startups uh, in the world. I'm, I'm affiliated with three. Uh, blockchain startups. Uh, one is Cryptello in, um, in in Prague, which works on um, quantum-resistant encryption. Um, the other one is Seno, which focuses on crowdsourced uh, uh, decision-making using AI. Um, and the third one is Big Data Block, which focuses on big data analytics uh, 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 decentralized. So um, those are the things that I'm, I work on. As you say, I'm a speaker. I speak around the globe on, on uh, big data, blockchain, AI, and how these are changing organizations. Uh, because I believe that the, the the combination of AI, blockchain, and big data is sort of the holy grail for the organization of tomorrow. And um, if you as an organization want to remain relevant in this, um, you know, accelerated future, this data-driven society that we live in, you need to focus on on these technologies. Um, so that's basically what I do. I, I write, uh, I speak, I advise, I build companies. Um, you know, I'm busy. Uh, Mark, um, in your uh, journeys while writing the book, I'm sure you've come across several emerging markets use cases because um, one thing I believe is um, the impact of blockchain from a social standpoint um, is is going to be much more pronounced in the emerging markets world where there is at the moment no infrastructure, for example, for financial inclusion, whereas in the in the developed world, we already have an ecosystem that's working or at least is functional. Um, so uh, have you seen any particular use cases or case studies that you can share with us that you find really kind of uh, uh, passionate about? Well, as, as you say, there's, there's, uh, the, the emerging world is... Is um, as we've seen also with 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 internet or with mobile bank with internet banking. You know they sort of um, uh, leapfrogging certain periods that we in 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 in, uh, in the developed world have have gone through. You know the emerging worlds basically skipped uh, normal banking and went straight to mobile banking. And I think that's 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 great to see. And and I think with blockchain you have this potential as well to um, uh, help really countries and and and, and, and citizens to. In the emerging world, to, to sort of um, leverage um, the, the, these new technologies, and I think more and more you'll see um, uh, companies working on that. Whether it's in financial services, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in in, in food supply or fair trade, and fantastic to, to see. Um, 
uh, one of these companies that I uh, am referring to is, is the, co the company called BenQ, uh, uh, which really focuses on the last mile of, of, of healthcare um, in, in, the, in the emerging, uh, within the emerging countries. Uh, so you know, what you often see is that the last part of the healthcare supply chain is, you know, is the least developed, uh, especially with, if you have poor infrastructure, inaccurate records, uh, inadequate storage or tracking mechanisms. And, and blockchain can really help improve that, help, that supply chain within the emerging countries, but also actually in, in, in developed countries. Um, and um, the, uh, BenQ is really on a mission to sort of yeah, try to help uh, contribute to ending poverty using blockchain technology um, um, and, and the use of, for example, smart contracts that will automatically release funds to a drug manufacturer for medicine that has been, been required by a patient. Um, so you really see that um, these these organizations are, are leveraging the latest technology to to help uh, industries which which have have been lacking behind. And I think you know, an example of, of BenQ is is great to see uh, what's happening and what is possible with with this new uh, transformative technology. So BenQ, led by Ashish Gardner, is is the firm that you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 They're doing some amazing work in Africa and uh, LATAM, as I understand it. So the other question I had for you was because you're involved in both AI and blockchain, um, from what I understand from some of my Silicon Valley friends is that Google, uh, Facebook and Apple have largely taken the monopoly in the AI space um, and they typically pay uh, very large sums of money for the top skills in the space so that uh, innovation is largely that comes out of their own labs, if you like. Um, and it's very hard for some startups who are just starting off with a brilliant idea to kind of make some meaningful strides in the space from an AI perspective. Uh, but thankfully for blockchain, we've got this crypto valley happening in, in Switzerland. We've got uh, other smaller um, uh, jurisdictions uh, supporting um, crypto growth like Malta, Gibraltar and all that. What, what are your thoughts around this? I mean, um, do, you, do you think that's actually true in terms of what they're saying about AI? And how do you think this um, um, the, the fact that blockchain has almost kind of moved out of Silicon Valley, how is that going to kind of help or uh, affect blockchain innovation? Uh, two very interesting questions, uh, Arun. And, um, you know, from an AI perspective, um, it's true, you know, the, the big companies, um, they have the funds um, uh, to hire the, the best uh, uh, mathematicians, statisticians um, to develop uh, AI. And, and you, see, you see that happening, that they spend um, hundreds, if not millions a year on, on the best. And for a, for a startup, it's, all, it's nearly impossible to compete with that, um, So, um, which I think is a shame because what you get is that you have these massive centralized companies who create and collect even more power because of they have more ability to to, be, to develop better AI. And the moment um, a startup is coming up, which a very promising startup in the AI scene is coming up, what they do is they immediately buy it, um, prevent the, the competition from ever happening. And I think that's not a good thing because um, you need to... to uh, um, and what, what you see that when the internet was developed, you know, it was meant to be a decentralized platform where everyone had his own server, its own, you know, had full control over their own data, over their own content, over their own identity, um, and that is completely lost because we have, you know, we for shopping we go to Amazon, for computers we go to Apple, for uh, office we go to to Microsoft, for for social networks you go to Facebook, um, uh, or if you're in China you go to WeChat, uh, you know, and. And I don't think that's a good thing that, that you, you, you have no control over your own 
data of your own content. And blockchain is hopefully, uh, or at least promising to change that. And hopefully it will do so as well. Um, and, and then to answer your second question of, of the emerging uh, markets um, that are now uh, appearing uh, because they are really grasping the technology of blockchain, um, I think that, that that is also sort of a reaction to what's happening in Silicon Valley. You know, um, um, it, it's been, it's, it, it has become like too expensive to build a startup in Silicon Valley. Um, um, I read an article in The Economist uh, yesterday, which basically stated this as well, where you, you see a lot of startups moving away from Silicon Valley because it's just simply too expensive to build a startup there. Um, and I think that's a problem for Silicon Valley, but an opportunity for the other uh, regions in the world. Um, and um, you see the small countries grasping uh, this, this opportunity, eh, like Malta and, and Estonia and, and Gibraltar, as you mentioned, um, and, and sort of making the rec- creating regulation to, to help the blockchain startup scene thrive in their country. Um, and I was in, I was in Dubai yesterday uh, speaking at an event, um, and you see that also well, the same happens also in Dubai. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Dubai government really has the objective to uh, become, the, first of all, the happiest city in the world by 2020, which is completely run on blockchain. Um, and uh, every department within a Dubai government has to develop one or two projects on blockchain. Um, uh, whether these are small or proof of concept or whatever, but at least they learn about it and the objective is to become a full uh, uh, government run completely on blockchain. Um, I think that's fascinating um, to see. And then, of course, if you, if you get the, the scene right, um, um, the investors will come and then the startups will come as well. But what you do need to have for that is also clear regulations and clear guidelines from uh, the government to help the startups uh, because that, that is a problem at the moment. Interesting perspective, uh, Mark. I mean, I've been thinking that um, with no central uh, authority or no central direction, uh, we are definitely in a, in a world where experimentation of blockchain and AI technology, all of all these uh, disruptive uh, technologies, is happening in a decentralized way. As you said, out of these small emerging hubs that um, in a way are competing with um, the, the brand of Silicon Valley. Uh, and, and, and it's been created, that's, that's um, uh, clear. Uh, what I'm also thinking and wanted to share with you um, and ask you your insights is whether data from these, um, let's say, rather excluded uh, places, uh, financially or economically excluded because of their size, will the data from these hubs be it Dubai, be it Liechtenstein, be it Estonia, Lithuania, uh, South Africa, wherever, will the data coming out of there be more valuable, prove more valuable in the next wave for AI training and, and so on? That's a very good question. Um, I think that's, that's an interesting perspective because um, uh, on the one hand, you could say yes. And why is that? That, that is because when, you walk, when you're working with blockchain technology, the interesting characteristic of blockchain is that it makes data immutable, yeah, verifiable and traceable, is that what I always say. Um, and so what you get is that um, the, technolo- the data on the blockchain is there indefinitely. However, 
a blockchain does not magically turn low-quality data into high-quality data. If you um, present uh, wrong data or low-quality data in the right way to the network, it will still end up on the blockchain. So from that perspective, if you then look at AI, uh, what does AI need uh, to train? Um, uh, AI needs high-quality data. Um, so um, from that perspective, if you have high quality data because you, you sort of you are in a decentralized ecosystem, then that data can then also as well be used um, uh, to train and improve AI better. Um, um, but yeah, you need to, as we know for for training data, sorry for training for training algorithms, we need a lot of um, a lot of data, and maybe the, 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 there's not enough data yet in a decentralized ecosystem. Uh, but if you, for example, look at China, what's happening there is they have, what, why is China doing so well at the moment in terms of AI development? It's because they have an, uh, an astonishing, astonishing amount of data to their, to their mm. uh, available. Um, uh, and that is because of this, the way the government is structured, a very centralized government where everything creates data and everything is stored um, um, and everything is used and, and, and the consumers are either fine with it or can't do anything, can't do anything about it. Um, but, but you see that um, they have so much data available um, um, and that's why they are doing so well at the moment in terms of AI development. Do you think it could be the case that uh, China is ahead in AI, which that's what it seems because of the reason, the basic reason that you pointed out, Silicon Valley is behind in blockchain. You think Europe has a chance, the way it is fragmented, decentralized in itself in a way to sort of be the blockchain continent because of its, uh, you know, inherent, uh, frictions and, and its position? I, I really hope so. I, I truly, truly hope so. Um, but I am afraid um, it, it's going to be challenging. Um, uh, what we need to achieve that is regulations. And we need to have regulations which are across Europe uh, the same. Uh, whereas a clear understanding from a European perspective that we say as Europe... Um, okay, we are going to embrace blockchain, we're going to embrace ICOs, we're going to embrace cryptocurrencies, but we're going to do it in a way that is organized and, and, and is regulated. If the European Union can get its act together and make that happen, then yes, then it has a very big chance to, to succeed because you already see it happening with uh, you know, the Malta, Gibraltar, uh, Duke, uh, Liechtenstein, who have developed the first signs of regulation and immediately you see startups flocking to those, to those countries. So um, if Europe gets its acts together, which unfortunately I have to say I'm not sure if they will, um, um, then yes, it could become, uh, uh, we could definitely have a, a big advantage uh, compared to, 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 uh, to the US or, or even China. Yeah. Mark, since we have a few minutes in our podcast, we'd like to ask you some more personal questions. Are you okay with that? Sure, go ahead. Where, where do you spend most of your time? Because you seem to be traveling and, and being quite global. Uh, yes, I'm a truly global citizen, as I would like to say. Um, I used to live in Australia. I moved back from Australia a couple of months ago in, um, back to the Netherlands. So most of my time I spent in the Netherlands. But I, as I say, I travel a lot. And I just came out of uh, Dubai yesterday. 
Uh, the week before I was in France, the week before that I was in China, the week before that I was in Denmark, and the week before that I was in Australia. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite travel destination then? <laughs> uh, um, that's a good question. Um, I, I, st I still love Australia. You know, it's it's a, it's a fantastic country. Nature-wise, it's beautiful. Uh, the sunshine is nice. Um, um, I, I like it where where the temperature is warm. Okay, so so you're a warm type of guy. And and what about your morning coffee habits? How do you drink your coffee? Do you have coffee? Are you a tea person? I'm a very simple black coffee uh, person in the morning. Great. Are you a podcast person or are you a book person? Are you a Kindle person or a old-fashioned uh, book person? I used to be an old-fashioned book person, but I switched to Kindle because I travel so much. And and the, and the Kindle is just perfect. You know, it's, it fits all my books. It just doesn't weigh anything. It's uh, I absolutely love it. Have you tried the remarkable tablet, um, the e-ink tablet? A remarkable tablet? No, I don't know. I haven't heard so about it. It's a Scandinavian product. Um, it's an e-ink tablet that you can just write on. Um, it feels like paper, but it's an e-ink uh, tablet. Oh, uh, I haven't heard about it. I'll definitely look it up. Are you reading anything that's not... Blockchain and not AI. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm. I'm currently reading um, Homo Deus, um, okay. and I just uh, I finished First Sapiens, and I'm reading Homo Deus, and I think it's a fascinating book. Um, the way he writes and 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 um, how he looks at the world and how he um, argues that mankind has uh, become so successful as we are uh, as a species. Um, so um, it, it's a fascinating book that really uh, keeps me thinking when I, and that's the kind of books that I like that, that, that makes me think and, and, and this book definitely does that I've heard that from, from many entrepreneurs actually over the past three months uh, I would say that I've seen it in the backpack or the briefcase of many entrepreneurs <laughs> yeah and I can absolutely recommend this book to anyone it's, it's absolutely fascinating thank you so much uh, Mark for being with us Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.